Welcome, patrons, to bonus episode 88 of the original Giraffe Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are officially into, well, NFL PA game and discussing some of the intriguing prospects we'll be watching um, in this one. There's a lot to get to, but let's first just kind of go through a couple um, news, news and notes from the NFLPA game, starting with the big news, um, Malik Cunningham out and headed to the senior bowl. Is that, I, I'm not going to say it's shocking for Malik. I'm going to say it's shocking that an NFLPA guy is going above some of the shrine guys. But I think with what Eric and his crew are doing, that the competition's a little more stiff now, right? Yeah. And I think that uh, because the, Shrine and Senior Bowl overlap now. If you've got already got travel plans set to go to Vegas, it's going to be maybe tougher to turn around and flip and go to Mobile. And also, I think if you look at the rosters up and down, I think the the talent throughout the rosters is is the gap is closing between those two games. Uh, so we see that Cunningham's headed to Senior Bowl. I think that means he's probably not going to play this week. In the NFL PA game, I mean, that's the assumption I think we're making. And the other thing <clears throat> kind of related to this is that we found out today that Stetson Bennett, if you listen to our show uh, Monday, that, or that we taped Monday that came out on Tuesday, uh, we were kind of batting around these different scenarios and what would happen. Because this at, at that time when we were recording, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game both still had a sixth slot open for quarterback. We were kind of saying like, well, if Levis backs out, is Stetson Bennett going to go to the Senior Bowl? If he doesn't get in the Senior Bowl, is he going to go to the Shrine? Turns out Bennett was offered a Senior Bowl invite and turned it down and, and said he's preparing for the draft. So on one hand, I get that because he played an extra game more than everybody else. But on the other hand, he seems like a guy who could have used a good all-star game week of practices to kind of gain momentum as a prospect, but whatever uh, the case may be, he seems reserved to, you know, comfortable with wherever he is in the, in the uh, draft rankings or the advice feedback he's getting. So he's actually not going to play in any all-star game. Cunningham goes to the senior bowl from the NFL PA and Chase Bryce is going to the shrine uh, to fill that sixth spot, uh, sixth spot. If uh, and, and I think that was one of the guys we thought was probably in line if if Bennett couldn't fill that spot. Yeah, and it's interesting what Bennett is doing. The other interesting one, and it has nothing to do with the NFLPA, but just kind of finishing it out, is what Will Levis is not doing. Um, you know, it'll it'll just be interesting to kind of watch. Um, these guys right. and, and what they do because it's really odd to see two guys that could pro- potentially use the senior bowl bump um not go which makes me wonder when it comes to levis if he's gotten word that a team is in on him completely already you kind of imagine that that's the case um remember baker mayfield was almost dodged the senior bowl and um you know his mother was undergoing some you know fairly routine cardiac testing at the time and he kind of said he was going to stay home because his mom was was undergoing this this outpatient cardiac test 
and then start to get, get a little pushback on that. So he ended up kind of grudgingly going to the Senior Bowl and playing in practice and then dipping out early in the game that Saturday. Um, Levis isn't even going that far. So I think he probably has even better feedback than Baker Mayfield, who ended up going number one overall that year, of course, um, had at the time. But it, immediately after it kind of became official, you saw some some negative feedback. It was notably from Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, saying, uh, you know, about Levis, hey, look at what Justin Herbert did going to the Senior Bowl and, and really um, – he was it Spielman was asked by CBS Sports Brian Wilson, Hey, did you learn anything new about Herbert when he came to the senior bowl? And Spielman was like, Yeah, we did. It was about his attitude, his leadership, his composure, this and that. But uh, you don't get to, you're not going to get that from Levis, who initially accepted the invite and now is bowing out. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, I'm I've been consistent with this, I've never had a problem with guys bowing out at all star games, they go through a huge grind, even more so in recent years than in the past with added games and um, they get banged up. It, it's totally understandable from my, from where I sit that they want to get healthy and get prepared to do the testing. But um, Spielman was openly wondering, you know, and, and actually predicted that he doesn't even think Levis is going to throw at the combine. That might be the case. Um, you know, at, as far as quarterbacks in this game though, again, we talked about this like, less than 72 hours ago and we talked about tanner morgan and tommy devito maybe double dipping between this game and the the shrine game turns out that's not going to be the case morgan and devito are going to the shrine they're dipping out holton the ailers the quarterback from ecu and adrian martinez quarterback from k-state formerly of of nebraska they're coming in and they both played in the hula bowl yeah, it's uh, an interesting merry-go-round this year, right? It really is. And I think it's because of the NIL, because of the extra COVID year, it seems like the talent gap between all of these games is narrower than it have, ever has been. It used to be the Senior Bowl was where the first and second and third round guys went. And the Shrine game was where the day three guys went, you know, third round through seventh round. And then the NFLPA maybe had a few late round guys, and the Hula Bowl was, you know, j- actually just came back into uh, existence a few years ago. But that was going to be like the late round priority free agent guys. And now there's a ton of overlap, and it almost seems like all these guys, um, or many many of these guys in all of these games, are more like third round through seventh round guys and priority free agents. The story of uh, the NFLPA and probably the draft as a whole, but you know, it's we we only have official measurements from the NFLPA right now, um, is the size of of the the defensive backs and the wide receivers. Thirteen defensive backs, six feet or taller, um, with thirty two inch or longer arms, and then we had eight wide receivers, six two or taller. This is what we're seeing in the NFL as well. I mean, with guys like, uh, you know, we talked about Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb, like the length of those guys. Uh, we talked about, um, 
you know, Jamar Chase before. We've talked about T. Higgins. Now all of a sudden you need somebody to stop them. We saw what uh, Tariq Woolen, a favorite of the podcast, did this year as a rookie. Um, one of the best, you know, corners in rookie corners in the league. Uh, we saw Ahmed. And to Gardner. be fair, that was a, more of a favorite of yours than mine. I kind of missed the boat on on Tariq Woolen, but yeah, well, I'll give you credit I mean, where credit's due. Well, I mean, you can, we're part we're the same person. Okay. <laughs> Um, but you know, and then sauce Gardner, I mean, an all pro in year one. And again, talking about length, size, speed, those are the guys that are going to combat the, you know, now as these receivers are getting bigger, faster and longer. Um, and so it's, it's not a surprise to see these guys, right? Yeah, but you have to wonder, was the tape measure a little bit juiced for this game? Because to have 13 defensive backs with 32-inch or longer arms, where were they starting the measurement for the arms? Were they starting at the base of the neck, you know, and giving the whole, giving them the full shoulder? Because that's pretty unheard of. And we're going to see some of these guys, if they get to the combine or maybe at their pro days, we might see some of those measurements shorten. I really think that might be the case. <clears throat> but regardless, um, the height seems legit. It's pretty straightforward how you measure height. And, um, you know, while, while the arm length measurements and hand length might vary from time to time, but if you take a good, you know, measurement early in the morning, you're going to get a pretty legit height measurement. And uh, these guys, the smallest guys that we include in this 13 uh, dBs were 5'11 and 7 eighths or 5'11 and 6 eighths. So I did round up on a couple, just two of these guys. But you see, uh, that's excellent excellent height and length coming from these corners many of them are are listed as corners for this game and um, several safeties as well um, it's going to be fun if you get a chance to watch this game to see the matchups between these tall 6-2 receivers and these uh, long lengthy defensive backs because uh, several of them have have really good speed as well I mean when you're talking about the kind of the third of the big all-star games most of these guys are still five, uh, four or five guys or better. So there's a lot of speed in this draft. I know it's not the best draft, but uh, there's going to be quality depth that comes out of this draft. The final note we have to make, and you know, neither <laughs> of us are going to claim to have focused in on this guy yet, uh, is that UCF offensive lineman Ryan Swoboda is a very large man. He could have played the mountain on Game of Thrones at this size. He's 6'9 yeah. and uh, a quarter and 319 pounds. And then uh, this guy's got also almost 35-inch arms and uh, almost 10-inch hands. So uh, a, really a certified giant. He's the biggest guy, the tallest guy by far, playing in this all-star game. Now, when you see a guy this tall, Seth, he he cannot play guard, can he? I mean, not in Arizona for sure, but <laughs> right. I mean, almost any quarterback. I mean, unless you're talking about Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. But and Justin Herbert leads the league in batted balls, anyways. So. Right, which <laughs> which happens with a lot of these tall guys because they'll stand in, and um, you know sometimes their eyes are easier to read, or you know maybe their interior line is doing a good job blocking, and the the lineman just. Try and time up, uh, 
cut their losses and try and tie it up and get their hands up. But um, I don't remember a tall guard in the league since Alex Boone, who was 6'8", played tackle at Ohio State, kicked inside as a pro, had a good career. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who the quarterbacks he played with were, but it's pretty unusual. So you see, I, I, when I see a guy with these measurables, I'm putting him at right tackle almost every time because the way with, with uh, most of the quarterbacks are going to be right-handed. Um, one of the things we've talked about over the years is the left tackles, you're going to want more athleticism from the left tackle. The right tackle is going to get some help from the tight end more often than the left tackle. Then you're going to ask for the left tackle uh, with a right-handed quarterback. And so you don't need quite the uh, mobility laterally that you want from the left tackle. You don't need the basketball player type, as Joe Thomas has described, left tackles. And so this is a player, I almost think he's a right tackle only on paper. And I'm interested to, to see him play because he's just a behemoth. Let's get into these players, and we can uh, go back and forth however you want to. Yeah, let's go back and forth. We're each going to give you three guys to watch. Um, These are guys we've either watched during the season that are now in this game, or, you know, Emery Hunt, football game plan, our good friend, has been posting practice clips. He's out there watching practice. One of the few big draft nicks that are out there covering this event, so uh, props to him, and I'm glad he's providing us with with those clips. But these are the guys that – have popped in those clips or we've watched or both. Uh, why don't you kick us off? So I'm going to start with a small school guy. And um, as, as our listeners know, my followers know on Twitter, I'm not big anymore. I, I used to like to do deep dives, but now I'm more of a, you know, kind of like a, a Paul D Podesta type where I'm, I'm looking for the, uh, I'm looking for like the more sure things where I'm looking at power five guys more often than not. I'm looking at guys that that fit a certain height, weight, speed profile. But this is a small school guy that interests me. And you're going to be able to pick this guy up in the late rounds or undrafted free agency portion of the draft process. And his name's Keenan Isaac. He's a cornerback from Alabama State. And he checked in officially at 6'2". 186 pounds and with the 33 and one eighth inch arms and 90 inch hands. So great length, 6'2 with 33 inch arms. It's a great catch radius. You look at the on ball production, only two picks, but 22 pass breakups in his career in 30 games at Alabama State. Not a fast guy, not a burner. He's going to be estimated in the mid four fives to high four fives. But he's still young, fairly. I mean, considering this class, he is turning 23 next month. So not one of these overage prospects. And I watched him in these clips that Emery was posting. He completely locked up uh, Penn State receiver, formerly of Western uh, Kentucky, Mitchell Tinsley. Completely jammed him at the line of scrimmage to the point where Tinsley couldn't even get off the line. There were a couple other plays where where um, Isaac was kind of beat down the field, but because of his length, he was able to close the gap and prevent the completion from happening. So this is an interesting prospect coming from a small school, an FCS school, but because of the length, he is a slim guy. He's a player you can pick up late, stash him, develop him, 
and I think he's going to give you something down the road. Um, I think the on-ball production is pretty good for a guy at this level. I'm going to stick with corners. I'm going to go the opposite end, and I'm going to go the smallest guy in the cornerback room. Guy I've written about before um, as kind of who to watch in these small school games, and that's Georgia State cornerback Quavian White. Um, You know, again, small guy at a small school, listed at 5'10", 185, came in at 5'8", and a third, 187. So weight-wise, he came in where he's needed to be. Height-wise, almost two inches shorter than what they listed him at. But I will say 31-inch arms, obviously undersized, but at 5'8", it's not bad, right? No, actually, the the arm length is good for a guy that's short. But um, my first question for you, because I don't, I haven't watched him as uh, at all, and you have, is does he give you something on special teams? Yeah, and that's that's exactly where he's going to have to cut his teeth. You know, in the NFL, um, you know, this last year, as as a special teamer, you know, he was in on, on kick returns, punt returns, obviously like extra points and stuff. What's interesting to me about him and and why this week was so important to him and why I'm interested in like how he works out is because he played five snaps during the season in the slot five. Right. And, so, and that's where he is going to have to project at his size. Right. And so that's that's what the question becomes for him. Um, you know, he he's returned punts, he's returned kicks. He, so obviously he's an athletic enough guy, shifty enough guy to do stuff like that. But I got to see the foot speed. I got to see that stuff because it, you know, from a from a coverage standpoint, and then from a uh, from a tackling standpoint, he's more than willing. But it becomes an issue when you're talking about a, a Georgia State prospect that comes in two inches shorter than you expected, and if he ends up being a, a four six type of guy, he's not just undraftable, but like he's going to have a long way to go, right? To make it in the league. Um, yeah. So if, our friends at NFL Draft Buzz, which is a site we've kind of been pumping the last few weeks, um, it's a really a good looking, clean looking site right now. They're projecting him at uh, a four or five. Is that yeah, good enough? Yeah. I think f- he's fine at four or five as long as his. Um, short yeah his short his short shuttle's got to be sub i i would say sub four one at the least and probably got to be in the under four like in the low fours to sub four like high three nines so coming out of high school he was a four three four in the shuttle at the opening um you have to see improvement from that but the thing about that is these high school kids, especially guys that are, you know, he was not a rated recruit for ESPN.com, for example. He, I'm, I'm quite sure he's going to be getting better training in those drills. So that's going to be really key. You you have, are absolutely right. That's key. He's got to run uh, sub 4-1 in that shuttle 
And that is going to go a long way to saying like, okay, this guy's quick enough to stay with these nickel, with these slot receivers. Did we ever get times from um, uh, Marcus Jones? No, he was hurt. So we kind of had to project. It's really interesting. And I'm not comparing him other than size wise. I mean, that's, that's all you really have. Cause it's really interesting because, um, I guess the guy he compares most closely to from a size perspective would be like a, um, if you remember Ricardo Allen, it was right, a while right. ago. Was he from Purdue? Yeah. Uh, and he from, played for the Falcons? Yes. And yeah. five, so they list him at five, nine. So you so. guys, my memory is not completely shot. Despite um, what, uh, what happened on Monday. <laughs> but but he had a decent career. He was a four five three guy and his short shuttle is four one five. So that's even yeah. that's even well, and I think he played some he ended up playing safety. Yeah, and so and yeah. so you can see that with, with Quavian. But yeah, so that'll be, you know, what you're looking for if you're going and again, I don't think he's gonna be a guy that's drafted. Allen was drafted in the in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, play. he's coming from a power five school too, coming from Purdue. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm not saying white gets drafted, but those are, those are what you're going to have to see for him to have a chance to get drafted first. And then, you know, if he's going to make it in the league, but he's got an uphill battle, man, like smaller guys like that. Like I'm, I'm thinking about the kid out of, um, Louisiana tech a couple years ago that was really feisty. Um, Amik Robertson. You remember him? Yeah. Doesn't he play for the Raiders? Yep. He's with the yep. Raiders still. So, I mean, he's, again, he's not a starter. He plays, I'm looking at his snap counts right now. He plays, you know, he, this year was the most 60% of the snaps, but he got drafted in the fourth round. We don't have any testing numbers on him, unfortunately, uh, because, you know, these guys... He- tend to hide when, when <laughs> you know a guy i always come back to is kawan williams who went undrafted out of pit went to cleveland and was like a revelation as a slot corner and his testing wasn't great coming out i think he ran the four fives and but they um what the cleveland scouts knew was that he was i guess he was a little banged up and that 40 time wasn't quite indicative of his actual speed he was actually more like a four, a high four three guy, and they so they were the beneficiaries of him testing poorly because of of um, you know maybe some injury issues that were lingering. He ends up being a very good player undrafted, and he's uh, he until I I don't know he might still be hanging out in the league, right? I know he went to San Francisco for a while. I kind of lost track of him after a while because I don't follow the NFL as closely as I follow college and draft stuff, but um. Yeah, he played for uh, he played for Denver this year. Okay, so, so this is a guy who stuck around for a long time, a uh, pretty long time, considering he was undrafted, and um, he really made a name for himself. So that's and, kind and of about like the gold standard, right? And about the same size, five nine, one eighty five. Right. But again, like you said, with Ricardo Allen, the difference being these guys um, playing in a power five school. He came from Pitt, obviously, I mean, right. I, I like white, but Georgia State, and then coming in two inches shorter than your listing, like it, it's a it's an uphill battle to be. Hey, with. it's a great test for him with all these tall receivers. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is going to be a great test. 
I'll go next. Uh, my next guy is a guy I've written about as well. Um, and you want to talk about an oddly built prospect from in terms of what we're just used to. And that's uh, East Carolina's CJ Johnson. Uh, came in at 6-1 in, th- in an eighth. 6 one and an eight. 225 pounds. Um so he's a running back basically. <laughs> he's Antonio sh- Gibson. Right, short yardage back. Yeah. Um and he's supposed to be like a four six four seven guy. Draft um, Buzz is calling him a four seven guy. And they're so, saying he's four seven. And they and they get those uh, they're getting those numbers from those, like uh, like I talked about on on uh, free show this week. These numbers come from the uh, pro days where the juniors test out some of the juniors that the scouts want to see test, while the seniors that are eligible for the draft test as well. So their draft buzz's numbers are, I wouldn't call them official, but they're, um, you know, verified. I would say, and you know. When you look at the size, the weight, um, the alleged athleticism, obviously we'll find out more if and when he tests. And the way he's used, it it's a callback to like a like an Anquan Bolden, and that was a long time ago for a lot of people. Um, And let's first off say that I doubt that he's ever going to be Anquan Bolden. Um, You know, in fact, he's kind of like the. American Athletic Conference version of AJ Brown, but he's right. so nowhere near that that scope athletically. So that's where the Bolden comp kind of comes in, right? Right, because you look at Bolden when he came out six one two seventeen. He ran a four seven two forty. He had a thirty three and a half inch vertical and a one hundred and fourteen inch broad jump. Like this guy, one of the biggest th- outliers of, in scouting history. Right his his three cone was seven three five. Like that's in that's the third. Stiff. Well, that's in the third percentile. Like, remember they not, used to love to say like, oh, f- he was a former quarterback and he tested like a fairly athletic quarterback. And a right. terrible receiver, right? Right. But you look at like you look at like most of his athletic comps. They're like Sean King, um, Cade McNown. Like those are his athletic <laughs> testing comps. Right. And this this guy is legitimately a borderline Hall of Fame player. Um, right. Like, and he had yeah. one of the best rookie receiver seasons that we've ever seen. Right, 101 receptions, thir- over 1,300 yards. Uh, and then I mean, he this- just became this complete like bulldog of a player where right you know he he was he was a winner a leader all of those cliche things but also just a highly productive guy right and you know you look at it he he won the, the offensive rookie of the year again we're not even comparing cj johnson to that's what he'll be but from a size speed perspective that's what you're expecting um, that's, that's what, what you're you, praying for, <laughs> right? Well, no, that's what you're. That's what you can, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's what you can pray that you end up with. And I don't know in today's game. And obviously, again, Quan was one of the biggest outliers in NFL history. Um, I don't know if that's even draftable, right? Well, we saw it. 
how terrible David Bell tested last year, and and um, he still ends up going in the third round. Um, I think the verdict's out on that pick. I don't think you can measure a third rounder after their their rookie year because many uh, many players after especially after the first round, you know, we we have to give them another year or two to see what their value is. But the thing about um, C.J. Johnson is if you look at uh, as a freshman at East Carolina, he had 908 yards and, and uh, averaged 16.8 yards per catch. And then uh, this year, he had his first 1,000-yard season. It was, again, over 15 yards per catch and scored nine touchdowns. This is a highly, highly productive guy. Guys found a way to, to get open and really make plays. So this is a good showcase for him. And I think he's one of those guys where the practice is not going to showcase his ability because when it, when I looked at some of the practice clips, he was kind of slipping on the turf. He wasn't really um, at his best, so to speak. But in a game situation, that could be a place where a guy like C.J. Johnson Johnson shines because um, it's just one. He's he's got like you said, he's kind of got that funny build. He's not fast, but he has found a way to get it done throughout his career from the time he was a freshman to the time he was a senior. So he's a player I'm really interested in. And I think that he's, he presents a value because like we've talked about with, uh, you know, with the last guy, he's Johnson's not coming from a power five conference, but he's been productive. He's got some kind of favorable comps, even if they're major outliers this is a player who's going to get a good look, and I think he will be drafted. I think he'll be a fifth or sixth round pick. Who's your number two guy? So I'm going to skip my uh, the guy that I have number two on paper and, and come back to him because I really want to talk about him. But um, I'm going to go to uh, tight end Johnny Lumpkin from Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. Um, again, shout out to our, our buddy Emery Hunt. A uh, alumnus of the Raging Cajun program, played running back there. And Lumpkin is just a, he looks like a man among boys in these practice clips. He's 6'5, 273, and he has, he came in with 35 and a quarter inch arms and 10 and a quarter inch hands. This guy's massive at the tight end position. And you look at, at uh, his stats, you're not going to see too much there, okay? He had his best season in 2022, and that was 16 catches, 143 yards, and four touchdowns. He's a bona fide red zone threat because of his size. He can box you out. He's like a power forward. But over his the course of his career, only 36 catches, uh, 408 yards. There's some athleticism to him. Um, for a guy this big, he, he's going to run around a 4'8" which is pretty good. And the thing that I like about Lumpkin too, is from what I've seen of him, um, the Raging Cajuns like to run a lot and they like to have a rotation of running backs. So Lumpkin's in line a lot. He's blocking. And for a uh, rookie tight end, it's really important if you're going to get on the field early that you can block. And so Lumpkin's a guy who projects as probably like a third tight end to start out. But a guy you can use in goal line situations, short yardage, because he's a good inline blocker. And because of his size, he's an immediate matchup problem 
in that short yardage scenario. So if you want to pretend like you're going to run uh, in those short yardage, you can leak him out and he's going to be able to box you out, uh, box out that that, that uh, defender that's covering him and make the short yardage play. The problem with him, he's really old. He's Stetson Bennett old. He's going to be 26 in September. Yeah, it's really interesting to see giant outliers in terms of size, right? Because it's always difficult to gauge if they're just so overpowering against uh, lesser athletes. And that's that, the thing, he really wasn't in terms, like statistically, he really wasn't. But well, that's no, just I, not how I they mean, used him. I just meant as a blocker. Oh, that's yeah. kind of what I meant. Yeah. Like if he's if he's overpowering lesser guys in the are they in the Sun Belt now? Yeah, Sun Belt. And and which I mean, you're gonna have what probably twenty guys drafted from the Sun Belt, maybe twenty five. So yeah, it's just it's one of those situations where you look at it and you go, okay, what are, you know, what are we working with? So he'll be interesting to watch. Uh, he's one of those guys. So because La- uh, Louisiana is one of those Sun Belt teams that's on TV frequently, and remember twenty twenty. This is going back to his. I guess sophomore year, and he was a JUCO guy before he went to college. So um, that it was really like his third year of college, uh, two years ago when, in 2020. He was playing significant snaps in line, in and we got at one point Sun Belt was the only game in town, right? Remember that was the only college right. uh, conference I was playing at the time. So everybody was watching Lafayette, and Lumpkin was was involved in that offense as a blocker. I think you've, I think his blocking's legit, and I get the concerns about um, level of competition, but from what I've seen out of him, I think he's a legit player. I think he's going to go undrafted because he's he's old. Before we get to our final two guys, I just want to mention a couple guys that are interesting, uh, intriguing. We talked about the quarterbacks, so we're not going to worry about any of them. But a couple of guys, uh, Joseph Nada, former five-star, like top receiver in the class, uh, went to Clemson, uh, went in with with Trevor Lawrence, went out with uh, DJ Ugalele, and it was not the best career for him never really never really got to where everybody expected him to right as a as a prospect and as a collegiate player um but you know he's a he's a big guy listed at 6'3 um and 200 plus pounds is he you know he's gonna have to run well he it's gonna be interesting because he just like I said, he just never lived up to the expectations of of that ranking, um, and and then you and then you factor in the injuries that he had in twenty and twenty twenty one. It's just he's going to be an interesting guy, and then another guy that has kind of been around the block and hasn't found a place, um, never really broke out, and that's Jalil Billingsley, um, a former he was with Bama. And then ended up at Texas. Only played in four games this year with Texas. Three catches, 38 yards. Right. He Uh, was suspended for like the first six games because of um, some off the field issue that happened at Bama. Right. So you're talking about a guy that, again, 
just never lived up to the hype. I, I remember in, I think it was, was it the 2019 season or was it their championship 2020 season where people were going gaga over him? And then, right. And then it was one of those games. Yeah. I think we were recording a show uh, back then, you know, or, or so maybe I, it might have been that we were just in communication at the time. But uh, I remember watching that guy and thinking, like, this guy's going to be the next breakout player, and it didn't materialize. Yeah, and it looks like it was um, it was that Notre Dame game, it, four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, and you're just like, oh, is this a guy that, you know, that was the year he had the big game against LSU, four for 68 and a touchdown. Um you know, and then and then in twenty one, he just never he had the he had the one big game against Southern Miss five for one hundred and five. Well, remember he, just, he started twenty twenty one in in uh, Saban's doghouse. Like Saban roasted him in the off season at media day about his work ethic, and you knew that you know something was not good there. So, you know, those guys will be intriguing because it's always intriguing to see four or five star guys and and how they end up and where they end up in this process. And the other thing about Billingsley, too, was he, he, um, all of a sudden, like Texas said, he's no longer with the program. And so people started looking at the transfer portal. And so I guess he dabbled with the portal and then ultimately just goes, all right, I'm going to the draft. So there's a lot of uh, scouts and NFL teams are going to have to deal with a lot of off-field questions with Billingsley. And the thing is, too, we've talked about this when we've talked about him over the years. He's listed as a tight end. He weighed in at 217 pounds, which is basically the same weight he's been since high school. He's not a tight end at that weight. So can he run well enough to play receiver. This is a, a really intriguing prospect because of all the high hopes, all the ups and downs that he's had, and the fact that he hasn't grown at all. He hasn't put on any weight. This guy needs a couple PB and J's. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get him on the same uh, weight plan as my 13 year old. See if we can put some weight on him. You know, the, he'd get on the weight plan that, that we have, which is to get 20 years older. Right. Well, that's an easy one, right? <laughs> By the way, we'll talk about it, but the Bryce Young situation, it, we called that, did we not? Yeah, so there's a there's a picture on uh, Twitter of Bryce Young standing next to Drew Brees. He, Bryce Young's every bit of 5'10". Well, if, not, if, just, not just that, but you saw that he and his nutritionist, they're going to try to get to 210 by the combine. Right. So he's not working out, like, at all. Like, he's going to be, he's going to get there <laughs> between, you know, 205, 210, a lot of water weight, and not work out. And, yeah. and that's not going to be surprising. Is he going to so. even, yeah, you can't even throw at the combine if you're trying to, if you're just concentrating on the uh, peanut butter, banana, chocolate smoothies. The the most intriguing guy to me in this entire NFL PA bowl, and it was nice that we had different guys because you know we didn't have to fight about it. Is uh is Fresno State defensive end, defensive lineman, defensive end, edge, uh, David Perales. Um, he came in a little smaller than they were hoping. List him at six three, two fifty five. Just under that, I mean, it wasn't 
it wasn't terrible. Uh, six two and two hundred and forty eight pounds. So you know, about half an inch uh, shorter and about seven pounds lighter than expected. Arm length was close. I mean, he's right at thirty. Uh, he's right at just under thirty, just a shade under thirty three right. inch arms. Um, you know, we tend to go back to what we know. You and I, when we do these things, um, and this guy to me is built and I'm going to guess is going to test like Marcus Golden coming out of Mizzou. Um, I think for me, the biggest difference that you see between Perales and, and Golden is that Golden in his junior year had six and a half sacks. His senior year had eight sacks. Perales, his junior year, had seven, and then this year he had 11 and a half. Now, obviously, the SEC versus the Mountain West is a huge, huge distinction. Um, and he's a little bit lighter than Golden. Golden came in at 260, but had really short arms and timed in the four nines with one of the worst verticals we've ever seen at uh, 28 and a half inches. Um, <laughs> That's... And- uh- I think your youngest son can probably top that. Yeah, he's uh he I mean I I'm not joking when I say this. My my now 13-year-old when he was 12 hit 26 and a half. So like it's and I think his uh short yeah, his short shuttle was 463. Marcus Golden's is 459. So <laughs> it's really he's carrying close. a little bit less weight. Let's be right. Fair. <laughs> he's he's uh, 180 pounds less, but yeah. Um but that's the thing. Golden's had a productive career, 12 and a half sacks, you know, as his second season, 10 sacks for the Giants, uh, 11 sacks last year for the Cardinals. You know, he, he hasn't been consistent, but, I mean, 47 sacks over your career. In nine Pretty seasons. remarkable for a guy that tested that poorly. Right. And the fact that he was drafted in the second round, by the way, Two of these guys we've talked about, you you mentioned Quan Williams, undrafted. The Cardinals drafted a, a four eight receiver and a four nine edge rusher in the second round. So I mean one of them's a, a Hall of Famer, but it's always <laughs> the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Always. But yeah, so Perales is gonna be interesting because he's not, you know, he's not an SEC guy. Um, so the thing about Perales too, like he's he is like middle linebacker size and athleticism. Do you think we're gonna see him train off the ball? Who was the he... guy that was with that's not was with that is with the Lions that was from the small school like Jackson State or something that uh, had Marcus a... Houston? Is it Marcus Houston? James Houston. James Houston. James yeah, Houston. Knew... Yeah, James Houston the fourth, uh, who came in late, late in the season and, and really shook things up. Yeah, and he's a little bit smaller even at six one two twenty five. Um, but he had, I think, eight sacks on the season in seven yeah. games. Yeah, and I mean, so he was called up from the practice squad, like, and then had a, a couple sacks on Thanksgiving, and then went back to the practice squad, and then they called him up the next week, and he he just kind of forced the issue. They had to keep him. And so, uh, to your point, is that going to be kind of what? Yeah, because. 
he ran Houston ran a four eight six. So again, we're not going to say that he's going to come in and have eight sacks as a rookie, right? Like that's unrealistic. But we're saying there are outliers that can do stuff like right. that. The other thing with Houston is he's like insanely long for a six one two twenty five guy. He had thirty four inch arms, right? So and, like, and Perales is kind of you know he's six two with the thirty two, almost thirty three. Like you said, he's right on the borderline. But like I said earlier with the DBs, where are they measuring these arms from? Because there are a bunch of DBs that have longer arms than than Perales. But here's the other thing, and I'm genuinely asking. Most of these guys aren't going to get measured again, right? Because they're not. If they're not the combine now. I mean, at pro days, they will. At pro days, they will. Do you think they will? Do you think like they a do. guy like yep. at Paralysis is going to be like, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll just stick on that <laughs> NFLPA uh, short tape measure. If he knows, yeah, I mean, uh, most of these guys will get measured at their pro days. Um, that's my understanding. So, you know, historically, uh, DraftScout.com, formerly NFLDraftScout.com, will post those uh, pro day measurements and testing results. But over the past couple of years, it's been kind of hit or miss, like if they get them posted timely or not. So it's it's something, it's it's a little tricky. And then I've kind of get to the point where it's like, do I even trust those pro day measurements? Um, because like I said earlier in the show, I'm normally focusing on uh, on guys that are at the combine and senior bowl and things like that. Because, um, you know, I, Back in the day, I had all the time in the world to to go through five, six hundred prospects and kind of suss it out. I don't have that kind of time anymore, so I I really have a narrower scope. Um, so in that respect, if Perales does get measured again, I might not notice. Why don't you talk about your guy? Because this is one of the most intriguing guys. Yeah, um, and he's a he's a true small school guy. And this is a, a player. As I just said, I'm not always that interested in in uh, really small school guys anymore. But the ones that really stand out, I will always be interested in. And this is Xavier Gibson. Uh, that's G I P S O N from Stephen F. Austin, and he is a little guy. He's five nine, 183 pounds, with um, 30 and, and one eighth inch arms. Which for a guy five nine, that's not bad. And uh, he's eight and a half inch hands. You know, I'm not too worried about that. But uh, this is a player who is a high school track athlete as well. He was in the relays, a four by 100, four by 200. So he's fast. Now, draft uh, NFL draft buzz, they've estimated him at 448. I actually think he might run faster than that. Because when you look at, at uh, these practice clips that I talked about that Emery Hunt sent out, He's beating his guy off the line of scrimmage consistently. He had a huge, huge senior year, 65 catches, 1,163 yards, and seven touchdowns in 11 games. Um, This is a guy who almost averages 20 yards per catch, and he's an explosive punt return guy too. Just this year, he had uh, 12 punt returns for 300 yards and two touchdowns, and he's a young guy coming out. He's only going to be 22 in March. So he's a legit four-year player. He's coming out at a normal, regular high school, uh, college graduate age at, at, at turning 22. Um, that's how old I was when I graduated college, if you could believe it. 
And I don't know about you, Seth, but and I was at Ohio State for, for four and a half years. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited about this Xavier Gibson guy. Uh, he really, we're, we're talking about these matchups with these tall corners and tall defensive backs. And a guy like this, he's just out quicking them all. The, they are not a matchup for him. So it would take a guy like, uh, like Kawan Williams to have to cover this guy, but he's fast enough and he's not quite tiny enough that he couldn't necessarily play outside. Okay. I know I used a lot of double negatives there, but what I'm saying is he can, I think he can line up outside and I think he can line up in the slot as well. So it gives you some versatility. He gives you a lot of speed. I think that 448 is an underestimate. I think he's going to time out better than that when he tests at his pro day. I don't know what the combine um, roster looks like right now, but they do always invite over 300 guys. This guy might get into the combine. I'm not quite sure. But he definitely has the production and the speed, and he's in the age range that makes him a good prospect for a, a small school. Yeah, he's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, he should get drafted. I think he's getting drafted. I think this is going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. And he's a guy that has really, I mean, he was the, not the whack that we're accustomed to, but the Western Athletic Conference um, Offensive Player of the Year, I believe. So, I mean. In the FCS. Now. Yes, yes. Again, not the, not the. uh fbs or whatever that's called now the old whack is now basically the mountain west mountain west yeah. yeah so you look at it he's a guy he's gonna be he's got some skills i mean that's the easiest way to put it is that he's got he's got some unique skills and, and when you're got, when you're dominating your level and we talked about this with the quarterbacks the other day when we talked about the small school quarterbacks like bajant and uh, uh de morant when you're dominating your level of competition, and this is a 5'9 guy dominating in the FCS, averaging 20 yards a catch and returning punts like nobody's guarding him. Like If you watch the, the highlights of this guy, he's legit. He's a very exciting player. Um, in, in the old days, I would have come across him much earlier than when I skimmed through the uh, NFLPA roster. But he was a guy who caught my eye in those practice tapes. I went and watched some highlights of him. And I think that he's every bit draftable and an NFL player. You got anything else for us before we get out of here? Nope. Uh, I think we, we uh, did enough with the hot take the other day. So, And we've covered a lot of ground today. So... Um, thanks to our patrons. Um, we're going to have more on the All-Star Games next week for the free show and the patron show. So um, thanks for sticking with us. We really appreciate you guys. And you, as I always say, you keep the show running. Yeah, thanks as always. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with two more episodes. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That we could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>